I love the generative moment during a really deep talk, when the world falls away and you forget time and place. A really engaging conversation can do this. I've always had listening as my superpower. I think listening helps build a great conversation. Real listening is done with an open curiosity and very little of your own agenda. It may sound easy, but it can be hard to do. I like to make connections between ideas and people. It's just the way my brain works. Why do we connect with other human beings? It's part of the hierarchy of needs, comfort, connection, community. I've always been uncomfortable with the question, what do you do? I don't equate what you do with who you are. We all have multiple interests, passions, families, backstories, and futurescapes that make us who we are. Every interaction changes us, some in big or small ways. I hope this podcast changes you. Welcome to the Hi Felicia podcast. So this is Felicia Ryan, and this is the Hi Felicia podcast. My guest today is professionally known William Klein, voice actor, but I know him as Bill. And uh, as way of just introduction, Bill, what would you like to tell us about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm a professional voice actor and the CVO, Chief Voice Officer at William Klein VO. I got started in VO in 2013 after attending a weekend workshop in Connecticut and discovered not only did I love it, but I was actually pretty good at it. Um, I specialize in commercial and narration work. And my vocal signature has been described as timeless, authentic, and captivating. And it's perfect for a wide array of voiceover applications. Some recent clients include BMW, Xfinity, Spotify, ESPN, and Ecolab. I see voice acting as a unique form of personal expression. The intimacy that the human voice conveys has tremendous power and impact that really connects people. And it communicates so much not with just the actual vocabulary, but intonation, pitch, attitude, and emotion, it creates a common bond, a real human connection. The essence of my work is to help create a compelling narrative. It's really all about the story, and that's what I do, help people tell their story. As a voice actor, it's about lending my voice to words and imagery to craft a message that will engage, inform, inspire, and most importantly, connect. And that's what I do for my clients, partner with them to reach people. And what I love most about it is that it's just it's such a creative endeavor and it just allows you to express who you are in so many different ways. And um, since I've been doing it, I never, there's not a day that goes by that I don't do it and think, oh God, I get paid to do this stuff. So it's, it's been really great. It's been a great journey so far. And the best is yet to come. That's awesome. You you do have, had you been told before that you had like this really beautiful, smooth, kind of mellow voice? I have, but what, what a lot of people don't realize is that having a good voice is just like maybe 10% mm. of being a great voice actor. It's like, you know, if being tall, you're a great basketball player, or being good looking means you'll be a great model or actor. It's really how you use it really makes all the difference in the world. Because if you have a great voice and you're just reading something to me, it's not going to connect. Right. You're really able to tap into emotions and all the different subtle things that make voice acting a craft that really makes you stand out from the crowd. 
So I'm always continually learning things to get better and to just, you know, be the best I can at my craft. Because when you're given, when you're given a gift, you have to every day practice it, get, make it, mm. make yourself get better at it. Because, you know, I think that we're all put on earth to do something. And when you know what that, discover what that is, then you get, it's your job to be the best that you possibly can at it. You know, you won't be the best in the world, but you will, you will try to reach the limits of what you can do. So that's how I approach things. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it, it fits so well with, um, the theme for this season's, um, shows, uh, last season was, uh, connecting, um, community and through conversation and this year is continuing the conversation. Um, I'm involved with a group locally in Malden, which I know you're a native Maldenite called Malden Reads. And our book selection this year is a book of poetry by Joy Harjo. And we were talking about in a poetry workshop we did this past week about how poetry comes alive when it's read Um and people get, uh, sometimes people have trouble understanding poetry, but when they hear it read aloud, it comes alive. It, there's... That, 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 yeah, that is so true. I mean, I've, I've, I've always loved the written word. And when I read something, either, you know, a passage in a book or a poem, and I'm just struck by how someone chooses words can really convey so much that you, you find it hard to believe. And it just kind of like makes you, you know, you kind of feel it in your body when someone writes something that just resonates with you in so many ways that you didn't even know that was there. And it's just, it's so powerful. And I wish that we would give more respect to the arts. You know, it's, it's, we just ask people who aren't art related. They think it's just artsy fartsy people being pretentious, but it's it's really at the core of who we are as human beings. I mean, my God, it's just like, you know, when a lot of people want to get into art, parents are always trying to dissuade people from going into the arts. Ah, you got to get a real job. You got to make a living. You can't be making money doing that. But I find that a lot of young people today are just pursuing their passion. They don't care what you're supposed to do. They know they feel that they have to do something and they just do it. And it's just, it's amazing to see. And I hope that we see more of it in that a lot of older people who kind of like thought that, you know, yeah, I, should, I'm, I can I'm a great draw. I can draw these wonderful things, but where's that going to take me? I, I, you know, and just to kind of like read back, reach back and rediscover who you are when you were a kid. And you find out a lot of the things that you loved and were very good at a kid. They're still there, you know, just waiting for you to bring them out again. So, Absolutely. You know. I've, I've discovered a bunch of different folks to including myself who have sort of um I don't know as if it's as you've gotten older you remembered the things that you felt passionate about or it's also a combination of like just not giving fucks anymore about what people think about what you should do or what you think you should be doing and so so you tap (laughs) back into those interests um I never wrote poetry. I never thought of myself as a writer. And and I think I turned 50 and I was like, oh, I'm writing poetry now. I guess that's the thing. <laughs> it's kind of a, I don't know. I love that. There's been a bunch of folks that I've, my last guest that I interviewed, she started a record label. She was like, oh, 
Um, I've been writing music again. I forgot that this was my passion. I want to put it out. She talked to somebody else who had a small label, and the person was like, just make a record label. And she was like, I could do that. <laughs> exactly. You, you never know what you're capable until you try it. Because sometimes we, we, we get talked of doing things that are just that should be rational. That we, you know, you got to go to college. You got to get a job. You got to stay with a company for X amount of years. And, you know, you retire. It's like nobody wants to live that life anymore because life is precious. And you really have to make the most of each moment. You don't want to spend your life in a, you know, in a job that sucks the life out of you. Right. You know what? Your hobbies, things that really make you feel alive, that's what you should be doing more of, not less of. Right, right. So how do you, how do you, um, do you, do you have things that you do that help protect your voice? Do you do like vocal exercises or? You know, I'm supposed to, but I, I really, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I, um. I, I do I, I do limit stuff that I do that would harm. I don't drink during the week. I only if I do drink, I drink on the weekends, mm-hmm. and I do try to drink a lot of water. And you know, I yeah, I, there are supposed to be like a list of exercises you should be doing before you do it. But I just basically just jump into it. I usually like do like three takes of what I'm doing, and by the third take, I'm pretty warmed up and I feel like I'm in the flow. Mm-hmm. So I don't do a lot of like vocal exercises and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, someone says that we should be doing them, but I really don't. But it's the stuff that I do doesn't really put a lot of strain on my voice. I don't do a lot of video games mm-hmm. where there's lots of yelling and lots of things that can really damage your voice. Mm-hmm. And I do take care of it. So, you know, do you... I've been blessed so far, so I'm going to keep, <laughs> keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, so let me ask you a little bit about growing up in Malden. Yeah. What what was your neighborhood? Do you well, first of all, do you have positive associations? I have very positive associations with Malden. Okay. Malden made me who I am. And looking back on it now, I realize how fortunate I was living in Malden. I mean I um my best friend when I was a kid was the library. But that was a secret I had to keep from people because I didn't want people knowing that I went to library because that wasn't cool. But every day after I get to school, I didn't do any sports at all in school. But every day after school, I would go to the library for hours upon hours, just devouring books. I was very interested in uh, paranormal stuff when I was a kid. I always wanted to know, you know, what happens when you die, um, you know, how to have an out-of-body experience. Why would I got all these books in the library. I had these big stacks of books in the library that I would just read all the time. Carlos Castaneda was like my idol. I was like, oh, my God, I want to go to Mexico and discover these things. It was, it was just really lots of fun. Wow. And, you know, none of my friends knew this about me. This was like the basic of my parents. Nobody knew this, but this was my passion for so many years. Like all through high school, I was like always on the search for new books about things like that. It was, it was pretty amazing. And just living in Malden, we, cause we, um, on my street, we didn't, when I grew up, there weren't a lot of black people in Malden per se, but on my street, on Mill Street, we had this real community. Um, it was just amazing. That was like a focal point of life in Malden. Everybody would hang out on Mill Street. That was like the place. And it was just, it was so 
comforting and nurturing, and I felt so accepted in Malden. It was it was it was incredible. When you and, were using the library, did you did did you have access to the older part of the library, or it was just the newer part? I forget how the library was set up. Then. Well, I grew up. Yeah, I, I grew up. Yeah, I was born in nineteen six. So there was only the older library when I was when I was around. So I didn't have. I don't think the new library, the new part, had been added on there yet. So that has like kind of cool, creepy vibes to it. I think. <laughs> My sister also was a big library fan. She's a writer now, but she also remembered so many hours in the library because my mom was an avid reader and she kind of instilled that in us. And I learned to read when I was like really, really young. And I was always reading like several grades ahead of where I should have been. And a lot of stuff I didn't really understand, like contextually, because I've never experienced a lot of it. But I just, this love of reading has just really made life so much easier for me because if you love to read you can readily distill information too you know you can pick up stuff it doesn't take you you know you could look at a page and you know pick it up in like you know 20 seconds and figure out exactly what's going on in it so having that superpower to me has been really great especially you know when you're reading scripts and stuff like that for voiceover it really comes in handy oh yeah i could see that it was just one of the greatest sounds you know in whenever i went to the surrounding towns like medford or everett it never felt like home like Malden did. Malden always just felt like such a great place to be and still is. So I've got a big, big spot in my heart for Malden. I love it. Do you it's still awesome. have family that live in Malden? My mother lives there. My sister lives there. And that being said about Malden, when I graduated from high school, I knew that I had to get out of Malden. Mm. I'm not saying it that way, but I knew that if I stayed I would just get a job in Malden and just kind of like become like a lot of my other friends that, that didn't go to college. So I said to myself, when I get out of here, I'm going to college and I'm really going to have to get away from here and then come back to really appreciate it yeah. because I have to get out and, and, you know, explore the world, see things and stuff like that. So going to college to me was like a big, one of the best things that ever happened to me because when I got to college, I just experienced so many different things that I did not get to experience in Malden. So many different types of music, different types of people. It was just like, Oh my God, it was, it was like heaven for me. (laughs) It it was, it was, it was awesome. Cause I went to UMass Amherst and I, you know, and when I got great, you know, you're away from home and you're at college, you can do whatever you want. And it was just, it was, it was wild. I had the best time and I learned so much and I grew so much as a person in college. It was like, wow, amazing. What did you study in college? What was your engineering of all things? Really? Yeah. That, that's interesting though. That, that also, that skill set can have to do with like problem solving and contexture and how you put thing, put ideas together. And I think there's a creative artistic aspect to that. So when I was a kid, I was always in trouble with my parents all the time. I used to get <laughs> my father would get so mad at me all the time because I was a curious kid. I had this really infectious curiosity. I wanted to know how everything worked. I would take apart my sister's toys. I would take them apart to see how the motors function. I would take my father's tools apart, and he used to get so <laughs> I was in trouble like all the time. <laughs> insatiable curiosity to know how the world works, how things work, how everything connects together. Mm. 
That's probably why I chose engineering because it was kind of like, you know, something that I could really wrap my mind around. But after being in a couple of years in school, I decided I really want to do this. And so, you know, after a couple of years at UMass, I dropped out and then I worked for a couple of years and then went back and got my two year degree at Franklin Institute in Boston. Mm. After which point um, I moved to California and I was really involved in high tech mm. for number of years, which I really loved. And then after that, I um, I decided, uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, and she introduced me to like design. She was a graphic designer, and I knew nothing about design. And I discovered, I'm like, oh my God, I should be an industrial designer, product designer. So I went to, got my, went to art school for four years, got my art degree in industrial design, because I was going to start a design firm and just start creating my own product. But after graduating, I'm like, do I really want to do this? So then I started getting into IT because I was always good with computers and stuff like that. So then I uh, worked in high tech for a number of years in California as well, in Silicon Valley. And then I ended up getting my master's degree in, you know, computer technology. And um, after that, after working, I decided something. I want to do something more creative. So Mm. I left California. And I moved to Providence and got a job at Rhode Island School of Design. And I worked the combination. It was great because it was both technical and creative at the same time. So, I, you know, I still work there. You know, I still work there. And I love working with students. And I love the creativity and everything that goes on with it. So it's really a really cool job. I really love working there. I see in the path that you just described sort of your love of learning and your curiosity. And um, I think that people discount the, the, the search, like the process through which you try different things and then decide, hmm, maybe that's not exactly my thing. Or, you know, you zag, you zig or you zag, and you, you're building upon each sort of uh, experience and it allows you to go through the next step and then to the next step and um, exactly we, we're always continually you should always be learning something new and becoming yeah. the best version of yourself that you can be and each competency you build regardless of what field it is helps you yes. in regardless of what field you're in yeah because it's an experience that you can use and leverage to further your experiences in, in your current job or something that you think you might want to do. And it's really, it's, it's, it's amazing. There's, um, there's a, a, a psychological, um, it's sort of like a test that you take. It's called the VIA survey. And um, it's based on the idea that we all have core strengths and that we might lean with those, lean forward with those. And sort of like when you take the test, it sort of t- gives you a sense of your tendencies and how you approach things. And uh, my, my top five are, have you ever, have you ever heard of it? I've, I've done Myers-Briggs. I've heard of that one. I don't know if I've done it yet, though. What did you come up with with Myers-Briggs, or what did you get out of it? Like, you know. I am an INTP, and when I discovered I think I was 40 or something when I discovered the whole Myers-Briggs thing. When I read, and when I read the description of myself, I'm like, oh, my God. Because I, oftentimes you, you go through life feeling you're weird about the way you do things, the way you approach things. Yeah. It's the way that you're wired. 
And once you understand the way that you're wired, that's a game changer because then you know how you best assimilate information, how you respond to certain things. And it really helps accelerate your growth as a human being. Yeah. Because they also discovered when I was 40 that I had ADHD, which explained why I had all the trouble in school and nobody, you know, (laughs) because back then when I, nobody knew anything about that. It was just like, you're not trying hard enough. You're not doing that. You're not doing that. And they just like discarded that, you know, uh, you know, he's just not trying. He doesn't want to do better or something like that, but it was nothing like that at all. I legitimately struggled with a lot of different things. It was the fact that I could read well and assimilate well, really helped me if that if I didn't have the reading shows I probably would have not done well in school at all but right. you know thank god that that, that I did have that skill but I just like I love finding more about myself because everything you find out about yourself just it, it helps you so much more once you really understand who you are as a person and I find that a lot of people don't they don't really kind of look too much inward they mostly focus on outward things but learning about yourself is the most important thing you can learn that's, yeah. that's my personal yeah. philosophy and it well it also makes you feel like you can uh, op, you know inhabit your full capacity in in life and Absolutely. sort of embrace the things you really want to do i'll send you the link for the vi survey you'll probably find it interesting but the i've taken it a bunch of times in um the five the five strengths that always float to the top for me is love of learning, uh, bravery, curiosity, and um, prudence. And the descriptions of each are really interesting because uh, of another friend who um, we took these in conjunction with a coaching certification that we got. Um, and uh, she had like empathy and kindness and love. And I had all of these sort of like what I was thinking of as more perhaps masculine qualities. And I was like, I'm not going to be a good coach if I'm not kind. And she's like, no, but prudence and like bravery have to do with like confronting things and uh, the ability to have perspective and make good choices and, and then possibly help someone else do those same things. But this love of learning shows up because I used to think, oh, God, you know, here's another course I'm taking and yet another degree I'm getting and and what does and where is it leading me? But now I'm embracing, though, that curiosity, because every time I've taken a course or had an interest or read a book, it's I've been able to sort of intuitively incorporate that information and then use it kind of to my advantage, I think, you know. Right. Everything doesn't have to lead to something else. Sometimes yes. just learn something to learn something is great. It doesn't have to lead anywhere. It's just you, you want to learn how to, you want to figure out something or take a course. So you take it. Who cares where it leads? Right. You should worry about the end result. Just take it. If it's interest you, just do it. Right. It's funny that you talked about taking apart toys. I used to do that as well. I took apart my toys and I would get in trouble for it. Um, yeah. See? <laughs> Even as an adult, I like to take things apart and I'll rehab furniture and I'll figure out how to hang wallpaper. And I've I've actually fixed a dryer before. Um, and the glories of like the interwebs is that you can watch any kind of how to video on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. 
and you realize it's not that hard to do. Once you know what to do, it's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> or this idea that like um, cooking used to be quite the chore, and I grew up in a household where my mom didn't really like it, and so she didn't really do it. And when she did, it was sort of traumatic, and there was a lot of yelling. <laughs> and so I kind of always steered away from it, and then. Um, you know, had my trials and tribulations that kind of talked myself into thinking I wasn't a good cook. But I just realized I like to approach it a little differently. So I like to eat something, figure out how the ingredients fit together, and then go home and sort of recreate it. But if I have a recipe, I don't necessarily want to follow it. I might use it as a guide, but I'm not going to follow it directly. So I'm not a good baker, but I'm a decent cook because I like to try things and I like to incorporate new information and I like to eat. So (laughs) yeah, it's really hard. I mean, baking is one thing you do have to follow very strictly because certain things interact and if they don't interact in the right way, then you come up with a failed product. But, Cooking in general, you could just do all kinds of stuff in there, and you really and like it's really hard to screw it up unless you burn it or something. But you know, <laughs> it's good to have fun, try experiment with different things. I mean, why not? Life's short. Have fun. What are you reading these days? Actually, I don't get to read much. I do listen to a lot of audio books, though, and I I tend to listen to thrillers and mysteries and murders and stuff like that. I love. People who are resourceful and can figure stuff out to mm. me, those are the that really uh, empower me. I'm like, wow, this guy did this. He figured that out. Da, da, da. I love, like, Sherlock Holmes is one of my favorite things. I, I don't know if you on, on, on Audible, they've got 75 hours, read by Stephen Fry, I'm Sherlock Holmes. Ooh. Oh, my God. That, I was in heaven. I listened to every single one of those stories over a course of like three or four months. And it was it was just wonderful. Stephen Fry was just such a wonderful narrator. And, uh, you know, audiobooks to me are just like great. They have to be past the time and just lose yourself for a little while. Just listening to someone, learning something. You know, even though it feels like it's passive, but you pick up a lot of stuff that you didn't realize you did. Absolutely. Sure. I have friends who do... Um who listen to um, audiobooks, they'll listen to the classics and they'll listen mm-hmm. to them at a little bit um, faster speed sometimes or a slower speed. And they just like like to take in the language of it. So like maybe they're listening to Shakespeare or Dickens or whatever and they just mm-hmm. like the music of the language. Um, yeah. And sometimes when things are written in a different way, like we, we talked a little bit offline beforehand about poetry how listening to words and listening to someone who has that inflection and gives emotion to it you take it in at a different level i think oh absolutely absolutely because then you're connecting with it and that makes all the difference rather than just hearing it you're connected to it you know Tell me about the poetry um, that you got at the wedding. So um, Bill was at Bill and Darlene, who I adore, um, who was so nice to me when I was new amongst the couples in the scene. Um, She and I had a very uh, intimate conversation when we first met each other. And I always remember that. And I always remember her kindness. So you're a lucky guy. Um, (laughs) we, you both came to my wedding and we had the Traveling Poetry Emporium, which are 
two or three ladies usually with typewriters and they create spontaneously poems as you're sitting with them. So tell me about that experience for you. It was great because I wasn't going to do it. I'm like, okay, what do I have to say? I'm not really sure what I should write about that. I felt like way too much pressure. Like, oh my God, I got to give him something that's really epic. And I just said, you know, I like the woods. I like being in the woods. So then they wrote this thing. And when I, they were typing away, I'm like, I wonder what they're, they're going to come up with. When I read it, I'm like, I was just like, oh my God, they, they managed to totally capture the essence of it, how I felt being in the woods without, without, me telling them too much about any of it they were just able to distill it and i was like wow this is i i was totally blown away by that that was just incredible yeah the power of words is just you know one of one of the um poets i had on a previous podcast cassandra de alba and um she, I talked to her about this idea, um, and and this was my my like own personal impression. But the idea of having to give away the poetry, <laughs> like I was like, oh my god, like you're creating spontaneous poetry for people, and then you just give it away. And I said, what is that experience like? Like, I I couldn't imagine. Uh, for me, at least, I couldn't imagine creating something. And then just giving it away. Like I would want, I'd be like, oh, my baby, I don't want to give it away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a true gift that they're doing. And they also, the um, the practice of it and the, um, the listening skills that they have to have. And I think some intuition as well. And obviously uh, skill for poetry. But they're, there's so many things they're doing in that simple kind of active um, typing. Yeah. I mean, because, I, I, and then they use the old-fashioned typewriters, I which know. everything was just so analog. I'm like, wow, you could see the, you know, the thing hitting the paper and making the imprint of the word. You're like, ooh. Because I, I feel like we've, we've gotten so far away from everything. We don't really see, when we hit the keyboard, we don't really see any sort of mechanical action. But the whole connectivity of person keyboard typewriter mm-hmm. paper that whole process it was just like you 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 were kind of getting the inside view of how the whole thing works from brain to fingers yeah. to keyboard. The, whole, the whole process was just being able to see it and hear it and you know it was it was amazing you could smell the ink from the ribbon the whole yes. thing very sensorial experience. Like, yeah, wow. it was. Oh, create, recreate that the way because it's just—it's very inspirational when you when you kind of like think of the whole chain and that you know you're a part of it too. It's like wow. That yeah, was just awesome. and and they're taking you know things that you love or things that you're talking about that you can feel deeply, and I think everybody feels that way before they step up to talk to the poets Mm -hmm. Um, like oh I don't know I gotta think of something good what if I say something silly and then I want my poem to be good and what if I don't have anything to say and everyone has that sense of self-consciousness the one that really I know I I really want to see everybody's poems I've seen them sort of in passing but I'm going to put up a post and ask people to submit them so because I'd love to create a book of what people got at the wedding because I think that that would be an interesting oh 
Absolutely. That'd be great. Um, but your um, your friend and now my brother-in-law, Paul, came up to me in a, the sweetest way and said, oh, my God, look at what she created for me. And it was all about Scotland and like the Highlands and Heather. And <laughs> and I w- and he was like really like he was like kind of amazed and jazzed about it in a, in a way that I haven't seen him uh, touched by something like that because usually he's yeah. in like joking mode. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. And he's like, this is so cool. And I was like, well, I think so. So this is glad. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> yeah, having that was just so such a great idea. I'm glad you, you thought of it because I had never heard of it before. I'm like, what? Huh? I know. And then as I started listening and hearing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to to find out what this is all about. And I was just totally blown away by the experience. Because I know a lot of times when people hear poetry, their eyes start to, oh, Jesus, poetry, there we are. But poetry is so powerful. Something so simple, it's very, very powerful. You know, it's just, it's wow. You know, it's wonderful stuff. Do you ever, um, when you're reading um, scripts, do you ever have trouble connecting with stuff? Oh, yes. Yes. Because the most, uh, not most, but a lot of it is just it's crap, basically. It's not it's not written very well, and it's, it's too salesy and kind of like, you know, and you kind of have to take it and make it into something that it wasn't intended to be. Because often says when you get a script, it's not really meant to be read. It's meant to be, it was, it's, it's not to be heard, it's to be, you know, read. Yes. But when you try to transform something that's written into something that you tell to somebody else and something that's not your words, it becomes very challenging, making it sound authentic and real. Right. And that's the whole challenge of voice acting is taking the words on this paper that a writer wrote and make them sound compelling and, you know, draw people in. So that's where the real skill lies is trying to find, you know, find how you can make it your own and, you know, bring people in. That's cool. Do you um, do you have um, do you have any uh, exciting projects on the horizon? Exciting projects. I was really looking to get to in-show narration. So I don't know if you have access to the Reveal Network or the Scared Network, but I have two in-show narrations on there. Um, Negotiators is a basic real estate reality show that I, I narrate that comes on every week. And also the Amityville Horror. They, had, they revisited again, and I did the voice for that. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that came out, and that's on the Scare Network. And um, easing my way into the intro narration because I really want to start doing like stuff for the Discovery Channel and you know the Science Channel and stuff like that because I really love that kind of work. But I'm getting, I'm working my way in there right now. So oh, right now I'm doing cool. probably just commercial stuff, which I really like. But I do really want to get into narration because storytelling and to me is what really resonates with me most. Being able to tell those stories, whether it's about science, whether it's about history or whatever, and to me that's really how I want to, you know, express myself. Have you ever done any, um, any Toastmasters or, um, things like the moth or anything like that? I think I'm really good at public speaking. I like speaking to people more one-to-one than large groups of people. I Mm. find that to me is 
you know, where my comfort zone is where I think I'm most powerful. I, speaking in front of publics terrifies me a lot. Of <laughs> it's more than like a couple people I'm like, oh, my God. Because I used to, when I happened, used to do it back in the day when I was, you know, working for companies, it was, I was always like stressed out the night before I couldn't sleep. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to go wrong? And it was just, it was, it was so, it was so much stress. I'm like, I don't know how people can get up and speak in front of thousands of people and just be calm and relaxed about it. Like, what do they know that I don't know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's your eye, right? Introvert. So, um, but you are social. So people mistake introvert for like hermit. <laughs> so like the book that changed my life was Quiet by Susan. Um, I think it's Kane. So it's a lot about what the difference between introvert and extrovert is. Yes. And, and a lot of people, you know, that are introverts can get out there and seem very extroverted. But really, when they, after they finish doing their extrovert thing, they just want to get away for a while and kind of recover. And that's, you know. That's how I am. So I could do it for a little while, but, you know, and then over a couple hours and I just want to go back and just kind of like reflect for a while because it takes a lot out of me to do that. Yes. And I do do what I do for periods of time for sure. I find too that like the microphone or the phone or the computer, it's a layer in between me and like whoever. And that's enough of a buffer sometimes to be sort of maybe a little more centered, a little more grounded, maybe a better listener, having a deeper conversation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when I'm in a party situation, you know, I get flushed and, but I usually hone in on like one person to talk to, or or like if I'm making my way around the room, I can do it one person at a time. So you kind of have, you kind of have to have strategies, right? Yes. And going to a party where I don't know anybody is like the worst experience ever. I have to know at least one person because then I'm like, I hate the introduction. Hi, my name's Bill and I'm... (laughs) And they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, I hate that question because it's not like I do a lot of things. And if I told you the list, you'd think I was insane. And um, I don't... I'd rather you say, hey, what are you interested in? What's what's new? Like, what are you working on? <laughs> rather than what that, do you do? And that, that, that is a better question because, you know, we're focused on what people's jobs are. Then as soon as you tell them they got this thing in their mind, oh, this person does this, so they're interested in this. And then they, they immediately start putting you in a box that you don't want to be in yes. because it's just one of the things that you do. It's not who you are. It's what you do. Right. And a lot of people, they, they conflate the two, you know. And they shouldn't because <laughs> what you do and who you are could be totally different things. You yeah. know, the time, you know, absolutely. And it's um, it's a uh, there there. I I admire people who um, you know, have very focused careers and are doctors or lawyers or engineers or housekeepers or whatever. But I also like to know, like, well, what do you like to do? In your spare time, or, you know, what's your family like, or where did you travel to, or I think that we all have well-rounded, multiple interests in our lives, so. Yeah, hobbies are a good good place to start, you know. It it sounds weird, hey, what are your hobbies? But, you know, it it tells you a lot about a person, and a side of them that a lot of people don't see or are familiar with, you know, and that's a good place 
to start a conversation rather than, oh, so you're an engineer. Da, 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 da. Right. You know, so, yeah. What um, do you have any travel plans? Um, yes. For the honeymoon, we're going to Italy, which I'm very excited about. That's where we went. Where are you going in Italy? Florence and Venice. And then we're heading to the uh, to Portugal to stay with friends for a week as well. So after we finish our honeymoon, we're going to Portugal and spending some time there as well. The oh, Azores. Nice. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Lovely. Because a big fashionista, I love, like, men's clothes, men's style and stuff like that. So I am just so looking forward to going to Italy. I can't tell you. I have had so much of going into Walmart and people with slippers and things on and everything. Because <laughs> so, I'm, I'm a very visual person, and I like when somebody really takes the time when they come out of the house to, to yes. take you know, pride in how you look and whatever. And I, I today, like, no one seems to care. They just roll out. This is what I got on. This is how I'm rolling. I'm like, okay, that's good for you. But I want you to – I like to step it up. I like to just, you know – it's kind of like – brings who you are to the fore when you take time to kind of like step up and just you know i've always believed that you know when you when you leave your house you have responsibility to yourself and others look the best you can you know maybe it doesn't maybe you don't make it but hey you gotta you gotta step it up a little because i know that with the whole covid thing a lot of people have gotten oh so casual about everything you know and it's like when you go to a restaurant do you wear a, a, a graphic T-shirt? Are you trying to step it up a little bit? You know, Absolutely. you're in a nice place. You kind of like got to, I think you got to elevate the game a little bit, you know, and it's always, you know, always trying to be the best version of yourself, I always say. So uh, that's me. <clears throat> I love it. And I think um, that could be a personality style thing, but that also I've seen a trend among my neurodivergent friends, you know, ADHD, ADD, who... Yeah. Uh, have um, that's uh, part of um, like a visual organizational thing. So mm-hmm. like you know, if their hair is a certain way, it kind of will like hit the back of their neck, and it will drive you to distraction. <laughs> or like having a certain kind of a shoe on because it feels better on your foot, and then you. Um, but it's also like a personal style expression. Like I feel that way. And, and, you know, I'm happy. I love my pajamas, but I don't want to wear them to the grocery store. I think that there's a line there for me, like in, inside the house, outside the house. Um, yeah, because when you, you want to be comfortable. And when you, if you wear it, when you go out, then you don't really get to experience that again because it's like what you wear all the time. So it's not really comfort clothing. It's what you wear all the time. Right. Then it kind of lo- you lose a part of your life that you really kind of, cherish you know like there's nothing if you went outside in the cold weather you come in you put your sweats on a fluffy sweatshirt man and it's like it's like heaven because you don't get to do that all the time you know it's great but it's also this idea that like you're saving your good clothes for a special occasion and it's like <laughs> you should wear them you should wear them exactly because like, you know life is short you never know what, what when your date your last day is going to be so what are you saving it for you don't know how long you're going to be be here you save it for a special occasion that might never come. Right. And then what? It's going to sit in there. Use the good it. china. Wear, like, wear yeah. it, like, buy the good alcohol. Like, it's just go on the nice trip to Italy and Portugal. Like, it's totally worth it. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Because, I, you know, I haven't done enough traveling over the past years. I mean, I've been to a lot of places, but I haven't been enough consistently over the past couple of years. Cause I, and I really do miss traveling because it's just it's wonderful. 
It's it kind great. of really changed your perspective of the world. Absolutely. It refreshes what what's important to you. And, you know, it, it it's also that love of learning, that curiosity, um, you know, seeing different, uh, smelling different things. Um, we were in Italy in um, September before the wedding. So we did the reverse. We had the honeymoon first, which was totally fine with me. Um, but being in the Med, we were on the Amalfi Coast in Italy. So being in the Mediterranean Sea, the feel of the sun, um, the sounds of Italy, the motorbikes and the wa- waves and the um, the colors. A lot of that part of Italy too is about the like the the sea, the that aqua blue and the linen, the white linen. Mm-hmm. So. It changes your perspective on the world. When you travel, you understand how different and similar we all are as human beings. And it really kind of enhances your worldview that, hey, just because you live in America doesn't mean you can't whatever, you know. And it kind of just opens you up a lot. doesn't allow you to be close-minded because once you get out and meet other people, you realize, you know something? God, we're so similar. We like a lot of the same things. And everybody, you know, just wants to be happy. And but you could go into someone else's country and just experience the culture. Just lose yourself to it. Don't just stay in American hotels and, you know, maybe have a a drink that's local. Just go to a local dive or whatever and just hang out with the people that live there and really kind of immerse yourself in it. That's what traveling's about. Yes. Not be playing it safe and staying in your comfort zone. You're traveling. Just Check it out. See what's happening. Yeah. You know? We were very lucky. We were on a uh, tour, and the folks that we met on the tour actually are friends now, so we've been able to socialize and see them. And one of them is a tour guide, and she sort of had that spirit, like, you're here, like, like, don't don't be on your phones and your computers about what's happening at home. Leave your day job back there and experience what's happening now in this try some different food eat something you may not want to try go somewhere different if they offer to take you someplace that's local go <laughs> it's worth it and it it yeah. absolutely was we actually got to see pompeii too which was on our list of things. oh really wow that must have been awesome it was four hours we were there for four hours we could have adam and i could have been there all day. It was amazing. And it was, we just scratched the surface of what was going on there. And the tour guide had done like, uh, tour guides in, in usually in different countries in Europe have to take a test to be a tour guide and have to study the history. And she's had specific knowledge around and done like some archeological digs in Pompeii where they're still act. It's a still an active archeological site. Really? Yes. They're still digging things up. Wow. <laughs> and like you could walk down this this Roman road that's had the marks from where the wheels hit in the grooves in the stones. Wow. And the, some of the 
frescoes and the paintings were still alive and and it, we felt very safe to traveling like Europe there's no issue with masks there's no issue with testing everybody just does what they're supposed to do they were limiting people in the ruins so that you know you could go in as a group of however many but then they would sort of control how many people were in a certain area at a certain time um but you felt very safe. You felt very cared for, and there was no, like, there, nobody was arguing about it. It was just, I this know. is what we're doing. It's, 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 it's really kind of, I don't know, you want to really get into the whole COVID thing, but I just, the behavior of a lot of people just really shocked and surprised me because, you know, we're, we're all in this together, and we either get through it together or we don't. But, you know, if someone asks you to wear a mask, just put the mask on. Just do what they say. That's the rules. If you want to come in and put the mask on, you're going to get into a fight with somebody. And just you just want to just chill and not be just resistant to everything. Everybody wants, nobody wants to wear a mask. But, you know, you do it for the good, the betterment of everybody around you. So people who are immunocompromised or whatever it is, just do the right thing. It shouldn't be something you have to think about, you know? Right. And that's when you go over to the people who just say, they're civilized. They're not worried about someone taking away their freedom or something like that. That's what you got to do. That's what we'll do. Not a problem. They're you used know? to living in close proximity with each other, too. And I think when you have such close proximity and you're living on like upon hundreds of thousands of other ruins and places in history, you you learn to respect what's around you and the people around you. And you think of your community in a broader sense and yeah, absolutely. And you're doing it because you care about other people, not because you're thinking about yourself first. And, and yeah, nobody wants to wear a mask. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. You know, if you have some anxiety, you might be breathing a little heavy, especially with those KN95s. Yeah. You yeah. feel like you're wearing a diaper on your face, but <laughs> <laughs> but you do it because you care. You care about other people. You care yeah, about yourself, I mean, you know? My mom is like 90, you know, four. And, you know, it's like, wow. you know, I don't want to do anything stupid that's going to, you know, endanger her life. So I definitely wear it. And I'll respect someone else, anyone else who, you know, is immunocompromised. I'll do the right thing. And I won't complain about it or, you know, because it's what you're supposed to do. You know, we are, should be all here for each other and just like, we want to get through it as quickly as possible. We all did the right thing. We could have been out of it earlier. But, you know, exactly. there's always people who don't want to do it. And, but what are you going to do? You just have to be, you have to do what you have to do, you know, and that's the way it should be. You mentioned that you're, um, we were talking about family. You mentioned that your sister is a writer. What kind of uh, work does she write? What's her work she like? writes She writes children's books. And my brother-in-law is an illustrator, and he, you know, he also illustrates children's books. So they're, they've been working together for a long time, and she's done a lot of great stuff. She, you know, what's her Lisa name? Klein, Lisa Klein Ransom with an E. Okay, and yeah. uh, is she like on Instagram? Does she? Oh, she's everywhere. Does she's she, all over the place. Does she sell her work at, in in Malden at all? Um, she 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 visits a lot of schools during the year. She's been to Malden a couple of times, and yeah, I think her books are in the library. That yeah, you can pretty much find them anywhere. Oh, awesome! Are. That's awesome. And then tell me um, how people can find your work. Um, they can go to my website, uh, WilliamKleinVO.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, William M Klein, and Instagram and uh, Twitter, William Klein VO. But I don't post on there much because you know. 
It's hard. I feel like I have to have something to say before I go on there. I know. It's so hard. You're going to take pictures of your trip, though, right? Oh, absolutely. And I will post those. I'll get that. <laughs> That'll get me more, you know, more motivated to do it for sure. For sure. Nice. And any special uh, touches or things that you want to reveal about your upcoming nuptials? You're going to be on June 11th. Um, Saturday, and you know, it's, it's I'm, we're looking forward to it, and it's it's just something because we've been together for we've been together since 2010, so we we took it took us a while to get married because we wanted to make sure we're doing the right thing. We were both married before, and we kind of wanted to make sure that you know, because second marriages have an even worse you know <laughs> track record than first marriages do. So it's like okay. Let's make sure we really want to do this and we're really, you know, well suited to each other. So, you know, it's 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 going to be a great time. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited for you. <clears throat> I think um, sometimes when you've had I, I wasn't married before, but I was in a long term relationship and Adam had been married before. And I think this idea that, you know, you try to take what you learned perhaps that worked or didn't work in the, f- the first time around, recognize you're in a different kind of relationship and that you're also maybe at a different point in your life and you want different things. Um, exactly. Yeah. And then how you communicate and then how, you know, you uh, complement each other. So um, I think it's nice. I, I, I've, uh, what I have observed of the both of you is that you're very easy with each other. Yeah, we always have a good time. We, we, every, we, every day we're laughing together about something. We have the, just the best time. We really support each other, and we just have such a great time living life together. And to me, that's a really good test. And we're each other's best friends. And sometimes you don't find that a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, I already get girlfriends. I don't even to be my best friend. But, you know, if your partner is your best friend, you're, you're miles ahead of everybody else. And it's a wonderful thing, for sure. That's awesome. Thank you, Bill. That oh, was very sweet. I'm going to offer you a gift. What is that? Well, I do podcast intro, so I'd like to offer you one for your podcast. Oh, please. So you, you want it to say, and I'll give you like three different versions of it. You can determine which one you want to use and go from there. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, um, I, I'll send you... I, well, you know what would be fun? It would be fun to hear you read the intro I have now, but you could put your own spin on it. So I'll send okay. you what my intro is now, and I would love to hear how you interpret it. And please feel free to change words or rearrange as necessary. Um, I sometimes, when I'm excited about something, I forget to breathe, so I go a lot. <laughs> I sound like I've been running upstairs. When, I'm, when I've practiced what I'm saying, I try and deepen my voice a little bit, and that way I slow down. And I'm more conscious of the word choice and how I'm arranging things. So, but I would love to send you that intro and have you um, do your own spin on it. Absolutely. Be happy to do it for you. Oh, that would be fun. Thank you, Bill. Well, I don't know if we're going to see you before June, but we're definitely going to see you on June 11th. Hi Felicia is produced by Felicia Ryan, and she retains all broadcast rights and copyrights to this program. Theme music provided by Stephanie Griffin. Technical support by Heather McCormick. Our sound editing is done by Sully Banger. 
Social media maven, previous guest, and my online content guru is Rachel Lento. Hi Felicia is supported in part by a generous grant from the Malden Cultural Council and recorded in cooperation with UMA Urban Media Arts in downtown Malden. You can find Hi Felicia on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and most platforms a podcasts are found. Please take a moment to like, download, write a review, and share this program. You are our ears. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Hi Felicia or our guest or how to support this podcast, you can visit our Facebook page, our Instagram page, or www.feliciaryan.com, which is F-E-L-I-C-I-A-R-Y-A-N. And again, thanks for listening.